have your Bibles, take your Bibles out, and we're beginning in, again in Revelation chapter 3. Now, I encourage you uh, to, have, to bring your Bibles with you, and if, you have, if you're into electronic devices, uh, then what I encourage you to do, uh, somehow highlight some things. You know, we really like for you to uh, underline some things, uh, write some things in the Scripture. The reason we do that is because later on when you, you actually read the Word of God, if these things come back to your mind. You know what I'm saying? That's why I write things down like that in, in the, my Bible. It helps me. I remember the message, and the Holy Spirit's able to use that again. So, you see, this is not a textbook. This is a life book. Are you with me with that? It's not a textbook. This is a life book. This book will change your life. And so that's why I so encourage you to read it. I so encourage you when you come to church that we try our best to uh, not have a service that uh, <laughs> wouldn't, be no, wouldn't be a service without the Word of God. You know, and so we need the word. And so if you look there in Philipp uh, uh, Revelation chapter uh, 3, we continue our study. Uh, we are now at the sixth church. I hope you've enjoyed going through these churches. It's amazing the, the truths and the, how it applies to our life. And, uh, you know, what I really want you to do when you read the word of God, I want you to read the word of God and say, wow, that's talking about me. <laughs> or I want to be what that's talking about. And so let's, let's begin. Look at verse, uh, look at verse uh, uh, 7 of chapter 3. And the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he that's holy. That means he was flawless, incorruptible. That he, what he's doing, he's describing who he is. He that is true. In other words, what he says is what he will do. True. And he that hath the key of David, which is talking about authority. He has all authority. And this is what he does with it. He that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. We see here that he's, bring, he's brought access for us to God, and no one can shut that down. And then verse 8, we see he goes on. He says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. Now, this is really, this next phrase, as we talked about it last week, he says, for thou hast little strength. Now, at that point, you, because you have little strength, it means you can't do anything. Uh, it's, a t it's amazing how we excuse our lack of involvement because we don't know how to talk. It's always funny. The people that always say that they don't know how to talk, talk all the time. You know, they're verbal all the time. But we just don't, we don't know how to talk. Well, you need to tell your mouth that. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, but you, you may have come this morning and you may feel of little strength. And so, therefore, because of that, uh, you know, you don't really feel that you can accomplish anything because only those that have great confidence and great strength will accomplish anything for God. I don't see that here. Do you? What's he say? He says, you had little strength. Look at it. For thou hast little strength, and, and with your little strength you have kept my word and hath not denied my name. You see what the situation? These guys had little strength, but look what they were able to do. We, last week we talked about that. This is a really quick review for you until you start moving on to the other portions of the Scripture here in Revelation. But we kind of talked about why was Jesus, and who is the one doing the speaking here, and why was he taking the time to describe his being holy and being true, and why was he explaining all these things about himself that he can and does do, and why was he explaining how I know all about you and I know the things that you, you're able to do even though you don't have a lot of strength. And one of the things that we talked about last week, one of the reasons is that sometimes we do feel weak. 
uh, we doubts do crop into our minds and you know we're wondering about some things maybe sir we're wondering about some things in our life and wondering about some things uh, spiritually speaking if you will and you may have come today and you know you don't feel real strong when it comes to the things of god and and things are going on in our country and you feel kind of lost about what's happening and you may have walked in that way and what we talked about last week and which i believe bears repeating is that sometimes we need some comfort from the lord amen <laughs> Sometimes we need that, that comfort, and we gave you some insights, three insights last week, and one of them was that sometimes we need a fresh dose of comfort, uh, but we need a fresh dose of, uh, of encouragement, and, and we need to hear about Jesus again. I, I appreciate your stories and all that kind of stuff, but, but I want to really hear about the Lord. You see, he's the one that will make a difference in our life, and so I think these guys here in Philadelphia, this church in Philadelphia was going through a very difficult time, and, and a problem was going on, and so they need to some encouragement and so he said I, I want you to know here's who I am because that matters it will matter to you and he said I want to encourage you he said I know what you're going through uh, he do you know that God knows what's going on in our world today he's not up in heaven and said can, can you see that uh, he no he knows what's going on in our world he knows what's going on in our church he knows what's going on in your life he knows what's happening well we can when we talk to God he immediately is plugged in I'm sure you've had this happen to you. You've talked to people, and they have no idea what you're talking about. Sometimes Sunday morning. I see people. It's the best place to get a nap, isn't it? You know? And so, anyway. And, you know, you, you, you're sending, but they're not receiving. And, and, you know, I understand that. And, you know, I'm so thankful that when I go to God in prayer, he knows what I'm talking about. I know thy works. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're facing. I don't, I don't have to take the time to go over it again. I can simply talk to him. And insight number three was that Jesus, and this is speaking of his sovereignty here. We can see it right here. Jesus, without question, uh, can help us to have influence. He can, God has left us here. God has brought us here for such a time as this. Uh, you're, you may remember the old, old song, little as much when God is in it, you see. And you'll find that exactly what was happening to the church in Philadelphia. They were weak, but little was much. That when God was in it, you may have come this morning, you may feel weak or insignificant or your life doesn't really matter, and you may be buying into that kind of stuff, and that gives you excuse for non-activity. And I'm saying that when I look at this church in Philadelphia, and I talked about it last week, it's amazing as we study about these churches, how they so parallel our lives today. They parallel our church today. The things they went through, we're going through. Now, as we look on, we see in verse, uh, verse, nine, uh, verse 9, he says this, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come out and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Now, who is this synagogue of Satan crowd? Now, who are these people? I don't know exactly, but I know that they lie. The Bible says there in verse 9, they lie. Uh, they were critical. Uh, these are the folks that were telling these folks in Philadelphia that Jesus doesn't love you, that God doesn't love you. Uh, they belong to a group. If you, come on, if you come on Wednesday night, we do a verse-by-verse -verse study, and we're doing right now a verse-by-verse -verse study in the book of Acts. And so we've run across these guys. Uh, these guys were called the Judaizers. Uh, they like to mix grace and law. Uh, they kind of were quasi-believers in God, and they tied everything back to the Jewish law. You had to be involved with the Jewish law in order to know the Lord. And, and what they were saying to these people, they were saying, we are the ones that God loves. 
not you. These Judaizers. If you read much in the New Testament, you'll find that Paul spilled a lot of ink dealing with these guys. Uh, he made this statement in Romans 3.20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law, by the law is the knowledge of sin. You know why the law was given? The law was given as a schoolmaster. It was to show us that we had a need. Uh, people are not going to respond unless they realize they have a need. That, that was what the law was about. Then he gave them, then he gave us uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. You may know this. If you know it, quote Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Then so he's saying that Paul wrote and shared some scriptures to help under, those folks understand that without question, it wasn't, it wasn't about them. It wasn't all this stuff they were. They were kind of like a Jesus plus something. Jesus plus a right dietary program, you can be saved. Uh, Jesus plus circumstances, you can be saved. Uh, Jesus plus ceremonial law, and you can be saved. And, and this was kind of their thinking on that. They were very elitist in this type of mentality. They really felt like Jesus is okay plus something else. I can just imagine what they must have thought when uh, he quoted that scripture, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I can just imagine as they heard that scripture, uh, I'm sure their minds were probably pretty much blown at that time because they held the idea that they were promised, to, it was promised to King David and his descendants, and the door was exclusively open unto them. And what Jesus was doing here, uh, he was talking to either Jews or Gentiles, whoever they might be as believers, and finding out folks to understand that this was our connection to God. Jesus is the connection to God. He was then, and he is now. Now, verse 10 says this, Because thou hast kept the word of patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Now, let me ask you, class, going to have a test after this, so you need to have that. How do you best, uh, how does hypocrisy and faithfulness get revealed. What would you say? How does hypocrisy and faithfulness get revealed? What would you think? Bible, okay. Actions, okay. Okay, well, no. <laughs> By testing. When you're going through a test, and generally it's a very painful thing, when that test takes place, what happens is, is that it's like, it's like taking an orange. If you squeeze an orange, what do you expect to come out of that? Lemon juice. This is going to be an antagonistic crowd, I can see that. Well, you expect when that pressure is placed on that particular piece of fruit, whatever that piece of fruit says it is, is what should be coming out. And if you say that you're a believer, and when the pressure is applied to your life, that's exactly what should be coming out. And if it's not coming out, then that is hypocrisy, isn't it? And so we know that testing was going to come. This is what he says uh, here in verse 10, that testing is going to come. Uh, and and it's during that time, uh, things will be revealed. Now, I, I think it's important to not misunderstand what he's saying. It doesn't mean that as a believer, you know, even though at this particular time, uh, he was telling him, verse, uh, let's read it again, verse 10, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, here it is, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. I think it's important to understand he's not saying 
that as a believer, you'll have no pain or suffering. In fact, when you read all these churches, particularly here, this church in Philadelphia, you read about they were going through some difficult situations, that they were having some difficult problems, and, and they were going through all this kind of stuff. And so what he's saying, he's not saying that Christians are, are immune from, from problems. They're immune from tribulation. They're immune from suffering. Uh, what a wonderful thing that would be. <laughs> I, I vote for that. You know, once you become a believer, you no longer have any problems or no longer have any difficulties. But, but actually, the opposite is true because the Bible says in this world, this is speaking to a believer, you shall have tribulation. And the reason he's talking about this, this is a very turbulent world. Do you know that? It's a crazy world that we're living in. Right is wrong, and black is white, and sky's not blue, and, and on it goes. Or we're living in a world that's very contradictory today. We're living in that kind of society, and we talked about it last week, you know, that we're living in a world where we're fat, rapidly becoming the minority. We're rapidly becoming, you know, they're so, the world is so secularized today that, that the things of God are almost looked on as, as the, the enemy. You know, we are the enemy, if you will, so we're living in very difficult times. But, but whenever this tempting was coming here in uh, Revelation 3 to the Philadelphia church, he said, I'm going to spare you from this because I know what you're like. I know all about you. And this testing that's coming is going to expand. It's going to expose the hypocrisy and the pretenders. Uh, they're in the town. Uh, we don't do it as much anymore, and I don't know if this, we necessarily have to. But uh, when I grew up uh, years ago, you know, a long time ago, uh, a lot of our services we had a testimonial time. I don't know if you remember that. You, you may go to a similar type of church, and we had a lot of, uh, during the services, particular, you know, uh, well, actually any of our services, but, but we would have a testimony time, and I think back during those times how encouraging it was to hear how God was working in someone's life, because sometimes we have a tendency to believe that whatever we're facing, we're the only ones facing that, whatever the situation is. It was kind of encouraging to hear people stand up and say, you know, I, so-and-so happened, and, and God blessed and delivered me from such-and-such. Such. That was encouraging, you see. You know what I found out about problems generally? You're generally coming out of a problem. You are going into a problem, or a problem is coming your way. I mean, you know, hard times, it's, you're coming out of it. You're in one now, or you're facing one, so cheer up. You may have come this morning feeling pretty good. Say, man, it's a wonderful day. <laughs> yes. You say, you know, if you have around me very much, you know I'm not much on a doom and gloom guy. You know, I, I thank the Lord for all the good things. I, I, I rejoice in those situations and all. But I realize we live in very difficult times. And I know that, you know, the problem is when difficult times comes to people, we have a tendency to be so surprised. Can you believe this is happening to me? Yes. Yes, I can. Because of the kind of world that we're living in. We're living in a world of such confusion, difficulty and all. And I, I think uh, when I look at this church here in Philadelphia, uh, what a beautiful church they were. They were a very simple church. They were not a real flashy church. They were a very simple church. Today, I, when we look at churches, and you know there's a lot of diversity in churches today. Have you noticed that? Okay. There's three kinds of churches, the three categories of churches today. Let me give them to you. Category number one is the wow church. Uh, the, everything has to sizzle at that church. I mean, you know, they want big events, they want big names, they want big numbers to feel legitimized. Uh, everything, time you come, it's got to be more spectacular. And what happens is we kind of work the crowd up into a frenzy, you know, that type of ministry. Uh, people like this have a tendency to, they always want to kind of be 
juiced. You know, I mean, they, they want it rolling in their life. It's, wow, you know. Then there's a church called the Busier is Better Church. Uh, they, they long for uh, meetings to attend, activities to plan, hoops to jump through, uh, calendars that are full. I mean, they want, every, they want people. It's so funny. Sometimes I'll see churches. We're a family church, but you never have any time for your family because we're always having meetings. Let me, let me, get, let me give you this. I think it's important. This is not in your outline, but I want you to have this. I think it's important. Don't mistake activity for productivity. Get that. Don't mistake activity for productivity. It is not the same thing. You need to work smarter, not harder. Do you realize that if you do that, you'll find that you will accomplish? Now, then there's the simple church, which we see this Philadelphia church was. Uh, they were believers. Uh, they had trusted Christ as their personal Savior. Uh, they studied the Word of God. Uh, they looked at their lives and tried to figure out how they could serve them, each other and other folks around the area. Uh, they were faithful to Jesus. If you could say one thing about the Philadelphia church, you couldn't say they were a church that was just a strong ministry because the Bible says they, they, they weren't. The Bible says that they were weak. Weak. And, you know, in their weakness, they became strong. In their weakness, they held on to the Word of God. They were faithful under the Word of God. You know, a church is not measured by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity, and by its standing capacity, and by its staying power, staying capacity. I think it's church today, as God has left us here, I think it's important to understand, if you read the book of Matthew chapter 7, you will see a, a simple plan when it comes to what a church should be like. Uh, here in Matthew chapter 7, verse, uh, verse somewhere. That's not funny. I've lost the space up here, guys. It says in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> You've never had a senior moment? The difference between you and me is I got notes. <laughs> and also got poster notes. To remind me to do stuff and all. You all have post-it notes? I just post them everywhere to figure out what to do. Uh, probably today you call it day timers and put them in your stuff, your thing and all. Anyway, there's nothing wrong with being an exciting church. There's nothing wrong with being a big church or a growing church as long as we're an obedient church. Would you go, go with that? All those things are okay. I'm not downing any of that stuff. But one thing I can tell you for sure is that we need to be an obedient church. And I'm getting back to Matthew 7, so let's don't think I don't, that I've dropped off the clock. I'm coming back. I'm going to close with this. There's two points that was being made that I want to kind of nail down for you. And, and as I was studying this and getting ready for this, this uh, uh, message, uh, as I was looking at what was happening here, there was two things that became real clear to me that, that – uh, that, that Jesus was really making very definite, trying to get the message over to the Philadelphia church. One of them was dealing with something that we take for granted. That is our salvation. He really was nailing this down. Uh, in fact, you know, he, so much so 
Uh, he, he was spending time on it, trying to make sure that they understand the relationship with God is Jesus plus nothing. It wasn't Jesus plus baptism or Jesus plus church membership or Jesus plus good works or Jesus plus giving. It was none of those things. It was Jesus plus nothing. John 14, 6 says, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Uh, he was here, here he was dealing with this Philadelphia church that was, uh, he, he talked about some of the good things they did. They were weak, but they did some very good things. And yet he took some time to make sure they understood what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've come to Sunshine very much. You've heard us talk about that. We're not really big on how religious you are. It's what kind of a relationship do you have with Jesus Christ? Do you have one? You say, well, I've kind of always had that. No, you haven't. Uh, my wife is in service today, which is good. She's feeling a tad better. And uh, we've been married a long time. <laughs> but not forever. It may, anyway, um, it may seem that way. But, but, but <laughs> I know. I, I'm not supposed to close out this service pretty quick, too, and I'm trying to do that and all. But I'm, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and it may be shorter than I think. You say, well, preacher, do you all believe in divorce? Absolutely not. No way. Murder? <laughs> if I happen to die unexpectedly, make sure you, there's an investigation, is all I'm saying. You know, <laughs> I mean, it could be bad. Man, I even have a point for this. It's kind of good. Okay. <laughs> so what is your point? Here it is, guys. You know, you may sit here this morning and tell me I've always known God. I'm telling you, that's not true. I've always been a Christian. No, you've not. You have not. That is impossible. If you, if there's never been a time in your life you haven't asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and be your personal Savior, then you're just not saved. And I believe heaven is real and hell is real, and there's a destination coming our way. This morning, if you're not sure about eternity, and, and you know, I realize that, that you may have walked in for whatever reason, and, but I believe you're here because God brought you here. And, and the thing that I want you to, to leave with is that the Bible is real clear. The plan is very simple. Jesus paid the price on Calvary for our salvation. And, for all, and the Bible says, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. All of us stand before God as sinners. He says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. It's not an automatic it's a gift. It's not, you just, it just comes your way. It's a gift. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins and come into our heart, we, he becomes our personal Savior, and the Bible calls that being born again. That's the plan. That's the way. And so this morning, if you're not sure about that, I, I encourage you. Uh, I, I don't say this to frighten you or to upset you I, I say this because this is the reason that you've come this morning that makes sure that heaven is your home and if you're not if you're not sure about that you need to receive it that's what he was telling to the philadelphia church you need to make sure about that the second thing he did not only did he talk about the way but the plan the plan was in matthew 7 20, 26 and he, he made this statement he he said this in matthew He's made this, let me give it to you. He says, and everyone, 
that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, which you like unto a foolish man, which was his house upon the sand. But he goes on and talks about if you do listen to what I've got to say, he says, when the rains descend and the floods come and the wind blows, you'll be able to stand. Now, this morning, are you simply hearing the word of God or are you hearing it and you're willing to do it? Isn't that it? That's it, isn't it? If you hear it, you ought to do it. So here's the question. What is God talking to you about this morning? What is it that he's bringing to your mind and heart? And you've heard me talk about this so many times. I believe we know more than we're doing. I believe that we know what God wants us to do, but we simply kind of pass it off by saying, well, I don't really understand. Oh, no, you understand it. You just don't want to do it. So this morning, the thing he was saying to the Philadelphia church, you guys have heard, and even though you're weak, and even though you don't have all the things that people think you've got to have today, you're still doing what I've asked you to do. That's why the door was open to them, because they were willing to do what God asked them to do. And maybe the reason your life this morning, why you think or you feel there's so many doors not open, is because you're not willing to be faithful in the things that God has asked you to do. If you're faithful in these things, I'll open doors over here for you. But you've got to do this first. Let's pray together. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're going to pray together. This morning you've come, and maybe you're not real sure about eternity. Well, I-